Help, I'm a Children's Pastor is sponsored in part by DrawYouAPicture.com, where you can get your next ministry logo designed from scratch for as low as $99. View the gallery, see what I've done for others, and see what I can do for you at DrawYouAPicture.com. This is Help, I'm a Children's Pastor, Episode 3. Welcome to Help, I'm a Children's Pastor, where we're focusing on the needs of the everyday children's minister. This is episode three, brought to you the week of December 3rd, 2010. I'm your host, James Kennison. Welcome back to the show. This month, uh, month, sorry, we used to do a monthly show. Now it's bi-weekly. But this week, we're going to be talking about something that's really hot in the children's ministry world, and that is, how do you get a children's ministry job once you're you know, start to follow your call. Uh, how do you go from becoming a volunteer or just a pew sitter into becoming a part-time or full-time paid uh, children's ministry person? Well, even unpaid for that matter. Uh, we're going to be talking about that, but first I want to go through a couple of things uh, real quick. Uh, one of them is the, I, I wrote a story last year and I'd like to share it with you. It's called The Very Last Room. Uh, the video is available on my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com, I think, slash NLCast. Uh, I'll put a, sh- a link in the show notes. But what I'm doing for a donation of $5, I will send you a zip file that will contain a pre-made uh, PowerPoint presentation of all of the images that fully illustrated by myself. Uh, I will send you a, a PDF file with the story in it. And then I will send you the individual images if you need to make your own, you know, if, if PowerPoint doesn't work for you or if you use Song Show Plus or something like that. But if you're looking for something awesome and evangelistical to use in your uh, you know, candlelight service or your Christmas Eve service or even a children's service, you can't do better than this story. Uh, the story is basically a, a, from a told from a little boy's point of view on his way to Bethlehem to be taxed just like everybody else is. Uh, but just imagine that your family, uh, this little boy's family, was the one that got the very last room in Bethlehem just before uh, uh, Joseph and Mary showed up. So I'd love for you to check that out. You can view the video. Again, go to helpimatchildrenspastor.com, and I'll have a link there in the show notes to uh, my YouTube channel so you can actually view it uh, my, yourself, myself. And then you know I will send you the tools to be able to tell it yourself. So for a donation of only $5, that is nothing. Okay. That's just to help me pay for the show. I know you hear Christian people say that all the time, but a uh, $5 a month is not, or $5 is nothing uh, compared to what you're going to get in return. You're going to love the story. Uh, it's basically about making room for Jesus in our, in our lives. Uh, so check that out. Also want to tell you, I just got back from a Spain trip. I went to Spain over Thanksgiving holidays instead of spending it with my family because of a very rare opportunity. It, it uh, Southern um, Europe has a children's pastor in my denomination, uh, and he wanted me to come out uh, because all these missionary families get together. They have a traditional American Thanksgiving. They combine it with a retreat 
and a business meeting, an annual business meeting, but they don't, they've never had anything for the kids other than games and entertainment. And he said, you know what? These kids never get children's church. Never, never. And uh, so we'd love to bring in somebody from the States to come in and teach them and, and just really introduce them to uh, to the Holy Spirit. And I says, you know what? Or actually he calls through networking and blah, blah, blah. Ended up talking to my pastor. My pastor says, yes, you need to send James. And they, I went out and got an expedited uh, what is it, passport and uh, took my first international flight. Ended up in Spain, spent uh, four or five days there ministering to kids. And it was only eight of them. I don't want to act like it was a huge deal when it really wasn't, but but in in reality it was because it was just for those eight kids. They spent hundreds of dollars sending me out there. Uh, my my luggage got lost. Half my props were missing until right before the service. Uh, long story short, it worked out great. I wrote up a article on it. I'd love to share with you at Help. I'm a Children's Pastor. It's going to be uh, just if if you're listening to this later on in life, just search for Spain. Our Spanish missions trip. Okay. I'll have a link in the show notes for episode three. Uh, but I'd love for you to go to read that because those kids, those missionary kids were precious. It was an awesome experience. I, they were so hungry for it. Um, so eager, so well behaved and so receptive. And they ministered to me much more than I was able to minister to them. So I'd love to share that story with you in more detail. Go to help. I'm a children's and, and uh, look for that article on the main page. Or if you're months from now, uh, again, search for Spanish missions trip, and uh, I think that'll be a blessing to you. All right, let's talk about our main topic, getting a children's ministry job. I get asked this question a lot by people that feel a call to children's ministry. Um, and and honestly, I would say as many times as I have been asked that there are people that should ask and never do. Because for some reason, when you involve church and involve God in your life, so many people make the mistake of thinking that the same rules don't apply that apply everywhere else. And so the first thing I want to say right off the top is when it comes to getting a children's ministry job, all the same rules apply that apply to any other position in the world. Okay, There is no mystery to getting a children's ministry job. I think because of the whole God thing, a lot of times in the calling thing, they think, and I think I was in this position when I graduated high school, I knew that God wanted me to be a children's pastor. And I kind of felt like it was going to just happen. It was going to fall in my lap that God was going to lead me. And it was going to be this magical butterfly floating on a cloud journey right into ministry. It doesn't work that way. Okay, now for every rule, every time I say it and it doesn't work that way, there's going to be somebody that says, well, that's exactly what happened to me. Well, that's awesome. I am very, very jealous of you. Um, But it didn't work that way for me, and it's not going to work that way for 99% of the people out there. You need to get a resume. You need to have some experience. You should have some education. You're going to need connections and networking and references just like any other job. Okay, so let's go through those step by step. Your resume. Now, obviously, they don't, a pastor's not going to care as much if you held a job down at, you know, rent a truck or whatever for four years. Put it in there, but really what you're looking for in a resume is your ministry experience. If all you've done is, um, and I don't want to say all like it's a little thing, but if all you've done is, is uh, done VBS and taught Sunday school, put that junk in there. 
Um, that is ministry experience. That is that is uh, feet on the floor time that you've done with kids. Uh, you've 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 got people that can uh, you can use as references, and it does help if your references come from your experience. By the way. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to write out a resume. There are plenty of websites out there that will help you do that. Um, but just make it look good and make sure you don't stretch the truth. Make sure you don't lie and put everything in there, especially if you've had any kind of longstanding. If you've worked at one position forever, fill that junk in. Even if you're applying for a position in your own church, I've seen people, they take for granted when they're applying for a position in their own church, that their pastor knows what they've done. I'm sorry. Your pastor doesn't know everything that you've done. I doubt my current pastor, um, he probably knows more than any because he used to do my job, but your pastor hardly even knows what you're doing. So if you're a volunteer, uh, trust me, if you've just been working in the in the nursery, he may not even know that you're working in there. Okay, don't hold it against him. Just put it down and let him know or her. Um, experience. You need experience. You're going to have to have it, especially if you're looking for a position. Um, faithfulness is very, very, very rewarded. And that's going to be a theme that you hear throughout this talk is that faithfulness is going to be rewarded. If there is a magical quote unquote part to this process, it's going to be on the fact that God rewards faithfulness. Okay. So experience, make sure you write about any experience. You're going to have to have it anyway. And it's going to show. It's going to show beyond the resume. When I had my conversation with my current pastor, um, he and I talked for an hour and a half and he kept referencing, oh, I can tell that you've got the experience. I can tell that you've got the experience. I didn't even know that I had experience. I, I mean, I'd been working in the same position for 10 years and so it makes sense, but I didn't even realize that I'd accidentally become somewhat of an expert in my field because of my experience. Nobody sat and taught me all of these things. I learned the hard way about how to handle parents, about how to handle policy and procedure, how to handle volunteers, how to fire volunteers, even though I'm not paying them. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of tiny little details that help you through the day. The more experience you have, the better. And let me just tell you this. Those of you that have volunteered, you do not have as much experience as you may think. But don't let that hold you back. Just don't front like you got more than you do. Okay, if all you've done is prepared services and put them on on the stage, that is, let me just tell you, that's twenty percent, maybe not even that much of the experiences that you will have once you take a full or part time ministry position. And everybody out there that's working a full or part time is nodding their head right now because, yeah, I remember when I used to think children's ministry was just about ministering to children. I remember when I used to think it was just about object lessons and, and making kids behave in class. Lord, Lord, Lord. Children's ministry primarily is a job of managing others. And I don't care if you've got 10 kids or 5,000 kids, you're going to do a certain amount of management. You're going to need to know how to wear different hats. Half the time, you're going to be a principal. The other half, you're going to be a teacher. You're going to be an enforcer and a policeman. Uh, you're going to be uh, all of these different positions and a parent if you've got a kid in your own service. Uh, you're going to be a disciplinarian. You're going to be a praise person. You're going to be a coach. You're going to be a worship leader. You're going to be a puppeteer. You're going to be doing all of these things. And you will find that you at one point you're going to ask yourself the question, am I even a children's pastor anymore? Am I even ministering to kids? Because you've found that you're working so hard doing the ministry 
uh, that you never thought you'd be doing. I don't want to down you out. I'm just being very practical and very down to earth. And so uh, there, there's a lot of experience that education can't teach you unless you've actually done it. So go in there and be honest about it. Tell them, hey, I've got stage experience. I can keep their attention. I can do puppets and I'm creative and all this kind of stuff. But more and more, what I'm hearing is pastors are saying creative people are a dime a dozen. I need somebody that can organize. I need somebody that can motivate. I need somebody who's a leader. And um, you can develop those things in you. Ask your pastor, uh, your ch- the one you're working with now, to help you and to use you in more of those ways. The only way to get that, unfortunately, for some folks, is to make yourself more available than you currently are. But tell your children's pastor, tell the guy you're volunteering under or the lady, I want to be a children's pastor like you one day. And if they're worth their salt, they won't become intimidated by that. They will teach you everything they know, make you better than they are, and send you off. That's that's what I do. Um, it's the only thing that makes me worth half a crap. Um, all right, education is not always necessary, but it is very helpful. It will open doors. It will make um, you know some some things that will uh, will not be available to you. Some opportunities if you do not have an education. Uh, for most Bible schools, a two year, um, um, in some places a three year. A degree are necessary, and it's not always a collegiate style, you know, like a, you know, I don't know. I don't have a degree, uh, but I do have Bible school and enough behind my belt to be a uh, whole credentials, specifically with the Assemblies of God. And I'm working um, even 10 years later on uh, continually upgrading that and keeping that going. So, uh, you know, education is definitely a plus, but I'm telling you at the end of the day, they want to know what you've done. They want to know who you've done it for, and they want to know how good you were at it and what you've learned from it. Connections are important. You need to network. That's why I go to uh, conferences. That's why I love to get to know the other children's pastors in my area. I love to leave good impressions. I love to do VBSs and do special speaking engagements and all of those kinds of things because I can build relationships with people. When it came time for me to look for a job, um, I knew I wanted to live somewhere between Georgia and Florida, and I called every single person I knew. Uh, there was a guy who had used to go to my church. He 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 was working at a church down here in Florida, and um, he he sent me a couple of leads. And now, granted, after I had followed up on every single thing that I knew, every single I had exhausted every single lead I had. That's when. God pushes the button and, and had somebody contact me. And maybe I'll share that story at another time. Um, but uh, I, I truly believe if there's anything, quote unquote, again, magical that's going to happen, it's going to be when you've exhausted, when you've shown God, I'm willing to do this as if you're not going to help. Um, and I'm going to have faith as if I, as if you have to do it all by yourself. I, I just really believe in that. It reminds me of an old joke uh, two kids running home from school. Um, they were late. They knew they were going to get a spanking. They were in trouble. And the little boy drops to his knees and uh, and he's praying. And his, and his sister says, what are you doing? I'm praying that we won't get in trouble. I'm praying that we won't get a spanking. Praying that we won't be late. And uh, he says, what are you doing? She says, well, you pray and I'll pray and run. And I'm the pray and run kind. I truly, truly believe that God does everything. He doesn't need my help. But for some reason, he seems in the same way he limits himself by how people pray. I think sometimes it's at least in my case, maybe not in yours, but God waits for me 
to do what I'm supposed to do, to get my butt off the couch, get myself in gear, and then he blesses me. I, I kind of um, I, I, another example are the the doors at at different stores. You go to a Publix or a Winn Dixie or any of these other, you know, a Kroger or Hy-Vee, and you walk up to the doors and the doors open themselves. Okay, maybe maybe your relationship with God is just like that. Mine's not. Mine's more like Coles. Okay, where you go up and it has power assist, where you begin pulling on the door and the moment you do, it senses it and you still have to do some work, but it definitely helps the door not feel as heavy because it helps you open that door. And that's the way my relationship with God seems to be. The moment I exert some force and I've limit, you know, I've done everything I can, that's when God steps in and takes over. So a um, little off topic, but I hope that blesses you. Use your connections. Also, references are big. Now, references, they're going to want personal references. They're going to want to know your best friends and things like that. Uh, but they're also going to want to have some pastors on there. And if you have been faithful in your church, if you have a, a good standing and you've been in a position for a long time, you definitely want to list the pastor that you've served under and the senior pastor. Make sure that you know what they're going to say about you. Don't just call them and ask them, hey, would you reference me? Ask them if, if um, you know, what would they say? What would they say? I don't think that's a ridiculous thing. I, I'll just tell you this. I've had some people call me and say, James, Pastor James, I want to put you on for a reference. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> and then I give them an honest review when they call me um, because I'm not going to lie. I am not going to lie. And if I don't know you, I'm going to tell you that. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know you well enough to leave a review for you. So make sure these people that you're putting down as a reference are going to give you a good reference. All right. That's why having a mentor is huge. Okay. Um, obviously Bible school, we mentioned that under education, college is good. Training is best. Okay. If you can't go to school, uh, get some training, dadgummit. But I'm going to tell you, if you're a part of a denomination, find out what that denomination requires to become credentialed because that is the most important thing. Make sure you hold papers with the denomination that you're working with. If they require college, then you're going to have to go to school. If they require Bible school, then you're going to have to take a course. I know in my denomination, they have a home study, a web study program. There's other churches that provide night classes and things like that. So there are doors that are open to you. Um, I, I don't know many people that have been called or that have been called to children's ministry and then not been called also to higher education. I just think it's it's important to uh, it shows how serious you are. You're not a fly by night person. The biggest thing of all though, the number one thing is get yourself a mentor. Find somebody. The weird thing about mentors is you know, I don't know. It's hard to go up and ask somebody to be your mentor. I think it's borderline impossible. I've tried. And I felt stupid when they didn't respond. I've asked several people. Um, you'll find that mentors are the people that are just in your life that you're learning from and you don't even notice. You, they may be so close to you, you consider them more of a brother or sister, mom and a dad than a mentor. Maybe you don't even want to be like them. You just like the way they do things. That's a mentor. So find somebody like that. If it's your children's pastor and you despise them, you know, some people would say, well, you can't serve under him. Yeah, you can if God's called you there. Maybe God's got something for you to learn. Or maybe he's got something for you to learn uh, not to do. Okay, I've learned from both. You can be mentored positively or negatively. And uh, I think as a child, I was mentored by several children's pastors and youth leaders, and I learned what not to do. 
Thankfully, a guy named David Godbout came into my life, and and I got to spend years and years and years uh, watching him and learning from him and being uh, spanked by him <laughs> verbally and uh, told how to do things and how not to do things. So um, pray for a mentor, okay, uh, before you go out and ask somebody because it's a big deal to ask somebody. It, it really is. It's like taking on another child. Not many people are able to do that even if they would want to. Okay, so now that we've got the practical stuff out of the way, let's get to the itchy gooey stuff. Um, I was talking to a lady one time, and she was telling me about the great call that God had on her life. It was so great, in fact, that she wasn't able to volunteer because she needed to be free for when God called her. Okay, now I can't argue with what God has said to someone. Matter of fact, I think a lot of times we use God's name in vain, quote unquote, because we put words in his mouth. Because we've got it all decided how it's going to work out. All I know is this. God rewards faithfulness. And if you're working, every single person I've seen that has been called into full-time ministry under my ministry, and I'm going to tell you, let me count. I've got one, two, three, four minimum. All right, four couples. This is a husband and wife team. Four of them at least, no, five. Let's say five because she, yeah, five families have gone into full-time ministry while I've been a children's pastor, under, that have come up under my ministry, have been mentored by me, and have gone out into the field. One's a senior pastor, two of them, three of them are children's pastors in other churches in the area, and one of them's a pastor's wife who's doing children's ministry. All of these folks were working their tails off in my ministry, doing everything they could and beyond. You know why? Because it shows God what you're capable of. Oh my goodness, how are you going to act like you're going to be all that when you ain't all that before? It's, it's like marriage. Your marriage, getting married does not improve your relationship at all. All the married people say, amen. You take what you brought to the marriage, to the wedding, you take that home and you develop it. But if you had a crappy relationship before you got married, after you get married, you're going to have a crappy relationship until you fix it. And it's the same way with your work ethic and a hundred other things. Get yourself involved in the smallest position you need. You know, if you there's nothing else available, but this lady I talked to, she, bless her heart, she had it all worked out. That God had this giant position and she wasn't going to accept anything less. I don't know, man. I'm reminded of the parable of the talents where the one guy got a little bit, so he hid it away. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that got the least and worked his tail off and returned it, and even though it was only double or triple and it was less than the other two guys, he's the proudest of me because even though he gave me the least, I did the most. That's the guy I want to be. And I would just urge you, God, um, he, 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 he rewards faithfulness. Get yourself involved. Your, your work and your faithfulness um, will show God that you're willing to get there. It's going to open up opportunities. It's going to make all these connections possible, the things that I referenced in the practical side of things. So don't wait, don't wait, work. In the same way that faith without works is dead, I believe that gifts and talents without work are non-existent. They're dead. You tell me you're a great puppeteer and you're not puppeteering? Sorry, I don't believe you. On the internet, they say, uh, picks or it didn't happen, meaning... If you bragged about something, a high score you got or something you saw, or if you bumped into Scott Bakula at Dragon Con like I did last year in Atlanta, uh, he was the Quantum Leap dude, um, 
if you don't have a picture, it didn't happen. If you can't prove it. And so guys, if, if you can't show me what you're doing, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't happen. So, uh, get yourself involved no matter how small a position is. You never know. Um, you never know what will get you hired. That's what I wrote down here. And it, and it, and it was awkward to say, but there's a very big purpose. Faithfulness in every area of your life. Faithfulness to God is important, not just in your ministry, but everywhere, in your family, in your home. Because as a minister, you're going to be held to a higher standard, not just by the people around you, because a lot of times that that's very unfair. They, they expect you to be superhuman. God doesn't, but he does expect you to have more together than the average bear. Okay. And here's an example. Um, I bought a house. Everybody buys houses. Mine was a piece of junk. It needed to be reworked from the top to the bottom. And long story short, um, I got kind of left alone to do this job almost all by myself. My brother came in last minute. He saved me, helped me. We got all of the stuff turned around. And two weeks later, my son was born. Okay. Very short, very long story short. Matter of fact, if you'll go to help on my children's pastor.com, look in the show notes, I will link to, um, to the Flickr, uh, if you like this kind of thing, I do, the before and after pictures of this house. Okay, We nicknamed it the flashlight house because it didn't even have lights in it when I first started. It was painted by a drugged out artist chick, and it was just a hot mess. And then you wouldn't believe what, what it, we started with and what it ended up with. But um, when when we were sitting at a uh, in my new position, that, that was in Kansas City. We're here in Florida. I'm sitting um, two months after I'd gotten to my new position in a uh, staff dinner. And I was talking about this house and how we missed it a little bit and we didn't get to live in it nearly long enough. And in and, and that moment, that very moment, I was kind of wondering, you know, why? Why did we buy that house? How did that fit into this scheme? And pastor at another table had overheard me. He turns around. He goes, you know, that's why I hired you, right? I was like, what? He says, that that was why I hired you. He says, I found that flicker set that uh, uh, those those pictures and he says anybody that could work this hard and be this creative and have that much vision and foresight he said i knew that was somebody that would work hard in the ministry i knew that and he just turns around and finishes dinner and tears come to my eyes because the last piece of my puzzle fit into place that's why we bought that dumb house that's why i worked my tail off it wasn't just for my family and just so my wife with her nesting uh, you know, pre-baby stuff w- would have a, a place to lay her head. It was also because God in the future knew that there was going to be a pastor that was going to be impressed by that. Turns out he's a he's a guy that, you know, is pretty handy too, has a lot of tools and likes to do home improvements himself. He's really good at it, much better than I am. So you never know what's going to get you hired, people. Faithfulness in the ministry and outside. So don't wait, work. Don't just sit around. Okay, la- uh, money follows ministry. Don't manipulate yourself into a job, people. I've seen this a lot. Folks, especially in their own churches, they've decided that um, ministry is a way for them to make money. And so they do anything they can to get hired, to do what God has already called them to do. Now listen, the calling he gave you to be a volunteer is different from the call that he's going to give you to become a full-time or part-time paid or unpaid children's pastor. You cannot dictate to God what you're going to do with your life as much as you might want to because nine times out of ten, he's going to move you to a place that's way out of your comfort zone. That's what ministry is all about. Ministry and misery. (laughs) 
no, it's not that bad. But I'm telling you, without God, the misery does come with him and all things are possible. But don't sit there and decide what God's going to do in your life. A lot of times we we pick something and we just have faith that that's what's going to happen. And that's not what faith is. Faith is is believing that God's going to do what he says he will do. And you may believe you've heard from him, but I'm telling you, anything that's not written in the Word of God is something that you can call into question. Because it might have just been bad beans that you had the night before that made you hear whatever you thought you heard. But God's Word can stand up on its own, and the word that he gave you or the or the, the premonition or whatever, if it can't be held and scrutinized, then it's not worth the paper it's printed on. God can defend himself. So call it into question and be open to whatever God is leading you to do. I've seen people in positions and they manipulate their way into a job. They use the skills that they learn in business to, to, to do, do the same in ministry. And contacts and who you know and all that stuff is great. But at the end of the day, faithfulness and, and, and your, your experience are what really what's going to be the thing that gets you in a position. On your worst day in ministry, the day that everything falls apart, the day that you wonder, why in the world am I doing this? And that day will come. The day that you wonder if you're even saved, if the words you spoke to your children just fell out on the floor. You're going to need to know that God put you where you are because that will be the only thing that keeps you going. I screwed up. I messed up. I made mistakes. But I know that God still called me here. He knew, therefore, that I was going to make these mistakes and he called me anyway. He knew that I was going to screw this up and he called me anyway. That must mean that there's a plan to turn this around for my good and his glory. You're going to need that. That is the knot at the end of the rope that you will hang on to. And if you've manipulated your way into a position, you are not going to have that. Pray about every opportunity that you have coming to you. Don't just take the first one that comes along. Maybe that is the one that God has for you. But again, if it is, it can withstand a little bit of scrutiny and you can pray about it and get that witness from God and make sure it makes sense. Because I'm telling you, I fell into the trap even in this last position. I had decided that this one place was the one that God wanted me to go to. Well, lo and behold, God knew a lot more than I did, and he didn't let me have that. And I tried to make it work anyway for just a half a second. A phone call that I I called about ready to beg for the position, and God had me hang up that phone. And it wasn't too much longer that I got the position that I was supposed to be at. So don't be overeager. Uh, make sure you're waiting on God. God moves pretty slow, okay? He just does. You know it. I know it. It's true. All right. So now let's talk about some steps. Um, once you get started, now that you know all the things you need to prepare for, um, how it works, that money follows ministry, not the other way around, let's talk about the how-tos. Uh, first thing is you want to, when you start looking for a position, get your pastor's approval, it's a very important thing. Don't go behind his back. There's no reason to. Go to your children's pastor. Tell him, hey, um, I, you know, I'm going to be doing this, that, and the other. Then go to your senior pastor. Tell him the same thing, especially if you're going to want to use them as references. Make sure you have their blessing, and uh, they, will, they will respect you for it. I just sat down with my junior leader. Um, I'm sorry, my junior church leader just a week ago or so. She's going to be leaving sometime next year 
to go and uh, be a full-time children's pastor for a startup church. She ain't going to get paid a dime. But I told her, well, Dagum, I need to get you out of position you're in, get you standing right next to me. Your husband needs to jump into the, some boys groups if he's going to be helping you. And so it changed the entire way I'm going to use them in the next year to try to set them up to win. Now, does it hurt to send good people away? Absolutely. But you can't outgive God. When somebody comes to you and tells you in the future that they're leaving, let them go. Because even if they're wrong, they're going to need a way to come back. The door swings both ways, I tell them. And once you're part of the family, you're always part of the family. So if you ever need to come back, door's wide open. I can't tell you how many people I've had come back up to two years later and jump back into a position. Um it never hurts to leave people right and leave that bridge up. Okay. So tell your children's pastor, tell your senior pastor, tell um, your mentor as well. If it's not the children's pastor, make sure that you tell them Um, if there is a, such a thing as a district office in your denomination, then um, send your resume to them and let them know that you're looking. Call in my denomination. There is literally a children's and youth director. Um, in in Missouri, there was a CE, a, a Christian education director. I call these people in Georgia and Florida, and I let them know. I sent them my resume. I'd follow up with them and find out what they've known, and they would email me back. And this is a connection that I made right off the top. And ultimately, it was that connection with the CE, the director in Florida that led through a couple of separations uh, to my position that I have now. Um, Email your resume to everybody, the pastor, the children's pastor, all your friends, anybody that you know in the country that can help you, email it to them Um, because you never know. You never know. A conversation over coffee, somebody's having, yeah, I know a guy, here's his email, and they'll get on their BlackBerry and forward that joker over, and uh, they've known all about you before you even have to talk to them. Also, look online. There are places that you can submit your resume. Um, There's places that you can look for jobs. cmconnect.org is one of them. Kidology.com is another one. Um, I'll be honest with you. A lot of times the online places, the ones that – especially the ones that don't charge. I would never pay, by the way, to look for a job ever. Uh, But the ones that don't charge seem to be kind of haphazard and random. Seem like you have to dig through a lot of things. There's no way that they ever like time out. So you don't know if the position you're looking at is months or years old. Uh, But um, what you do is you find out through your district office and then any connections that you have in the area that you're looking for. But your children's pastor and your senior pastor can really be your best friend in those areas. All right. There's a ton more we can go over, but that's the basics of how to get a children's ministry job. Um, You know, as far as interviewing and all those kinds of things, you're just going to have to, we can maybe go through that. If you have any questions about that, please let me know. I've been through that twice now. I can, I can definitely answer specific questions. Uh, But uh, there is a procedure that is pretty typical when you're getting a job, but it's a lot like any other. So it's nothing out of the ordinary. Um, let me go into some uh, some of your input. This is from a guy named Rod King. He says, hey, mate, I like the change in your show because we recently rebranded from CM Monthly to uh, help. I'm a children's pastor. He says the frequency is good. I listened to one of the CM Monthly casts with your wife. It's great to hear that the two of you work together. My wife is a great support but doesn't have the kids' ministry heart and passion that I do. I also heard that you're dealing with overprotective parents, and it brought me some funny thoughts and frustrations with my parents. If only you could cut them out of the family unit, uh, but but family is too important not to include parents, and I agree absolutely. 
He says, two quick stories. We have, a, we have male leaders coming out the wazoo and very few female leaders in my ministry. Uh, the first time ever in my years of experience that I have had this problem, and it was not a great problem to have. But anyway, uh, yeah, that would be a, a kind of a, a great problem to have, honestly. Um, but anyway, he says, one mom comes in and notices we have male leaders and complains because, quote-unquote, males aren't safe. <laughs> what? So annoyed in a society that is lacking in good male role models to have such a poo-poo attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Second story has a happy ending. Little Miss Angel lied to her dad. So apparently a kid in in his children's ministry lied to his dad, telling him that I'd called her a little B-word. Oh, yeah. Dad had a meeting with the senior pastor over my head. Both of them had a go at me. But it... Um, didn't express all their anger because it was a public forum and they had arranged a meeting that I was to attend a week later. So I rock up to the meeting. Um, this guy's obviously from the UK here because there's a lot of slang terms I'm not familiar with. So I rock up to the meeting and the first thing I hear is an apology from the father saying his daughter is in serious trouble because at school she was sending text messages, uh, which um, she lied to her dad about. And and, uh, she lied about sending them, but neglected to delete them from her phone. So I heard nothing after that apology. So basically, uh, he found out his daughter was a habitual liar. So that's pretty neat. Sometimes you win and it feels so good. I find that many people generally gossip to others about me rather than upfront about the issue. I don't understand why. I'm not a big or scary looking character, but this frustrates me. Uh, rather than being confronted with the issues directly. Anyway, I thought I'd share those thoughts with you. Take care, and God bless, Rod King. Rod, I'll answer that last bit for you. Um, that's typical. People always avoid the pastor, you know. And if they don't, they're usually weird or mean. Um, but you know, if your wife was more involved with you, you'd find that even with basic stuff, they would come to your wife trying to get answers from her. I don't know why that is. Um, there's ways to combat it. You know, listen to the one on communication. The idea is is to have communication, eh, as many communication doors open as possible so that when that happens, and it still will even when you have the communication doors open, that you're able to say, look, I have this and this and this. I have a newsletter. I have an email. I have a phone number that I published publicly. You know, you could have talked to me one-on-one. That way they've got no excuse other than I'm a gossip. So... Um, but anyway, yeah, just, yeah, it's a dirty, dirty secret. Gossip is the, the big church killer and it happens. Pray against it. See if it works. Let me know. Anyway, that'll finish up our show for this week. Thank you, Rod. Thank you all of you for listening. Uh, make sure you check the show notes for more information. Um, and, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Help. I'm a children's pastor.com is the email address. Um, help. I'm a CP at gmail.com is the email. Call us if you want to, 2095-NLCAST, twitter.com slash NLCAST on Twitter. Look us up on Facebook, and do me a favor, leave an iTunes review, and tell somebody about the show, um, and let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. It's just me talking in a microphone, unless you let me know what you're thinking. Do you have any tips on getting a children's ministry job? Let me know, and we'll see you guys next week right here. God bless.